Good morning, guys. So nice to see each and every one of you. I've told you on many different occasions that I was not raised in church, that uh, I didn't start going to church at all until I was in grade 12, first year of university. It was all very, very new to me when I first started out. And to be quite frank, I never really understood prayer in those early days. I just, I didn't get it. You know, typically when somebody talks to a person they can't see, it's a sign they need medication, right? And yet, as a Christian, I was told that every single day I should talk to this God, this Jesus person that I couldn't see, and that it was totally normal. But it didn't feel totally normal to me. Those first few months and years of trying to understand prayer, it did not come naturally. It was not an easy thing. I felt very self-conscious when I prayed in those early days. Like, oh my gosh, what if somebody overhears me? There was the fear of like, what if I'm in my room praying and my parents who are not Christians walk in and they're like, are you okay? You know, because I'm talking to who knows who in their mind. And then there was the, what if somebody overhears me and I use the wrong words and I don't say the right things or I say something I'm not supposed to? Like, what if I commit accidental heresy? I didn't even know the word, but I was kind of afraid I was gonna say the wrong thing. And so I was super self-conscious about praying when I was a young Christian. I also had a lot of fears that I wasn't quite doing it right. I mean, like, maybe you've had some of these questions too. When you're praying, what are you supposed to do with your hands? You know, I've seen people do this. Like if you look up on the logo there of our screens this morning, you see somebody doing that little steeple thing. I've never prayed that way, but is that what I'm supposed to do? Because that's what I always see in the artwork. Or should I sit on my hands? I just didn't know. Like, what do I do with my hands when I pray? And what about your eyes? Do they have to be closed? Because every time I saw somebody pray, they closed their eyes. And then when I saw somebody pray with their eyes open, I'm like, what are you doing, weirdo? God can't hear you if your eyes are open. Stop. Plus, it's bizarre. It's just freaky to look at. And then I'm like, oh, wait, my, my eyes are supposed to be closed. I'm, I'm breaking the rule too. And what if you don't end a prayer in Jesus' name? Does it count? Like if somebody just says amen and you're like, that was abrupt, you know? What happens? I didn't know. I didn't know any of that stuff. Can anybody relate to those sorts of questions when it comes to prayer? Oh, man, yep. Now, I'm going to tell you one more thing I struggled with. You probably never struggle with this, but I was a new Christian, and I mean this. I was very raw, and so it was not uncommon for me to pray and during my prayers to accidentally say a curse word. That just happens sometimes. I'm just being honest. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying, you know, that's what happened, and so I didn't know how to handle it when that happened because I knew that probably wasn't a good thing. I never heard my pastor drop the F-bomb. And so I was like, all right, it's probably not the right thing to do when I'm praying. So what do I do now? I said the wrong word, something I shouldn't have. Should I just say I'm sorry and keep praying? Or is it like a cake? I've ruined it, you know? Like you can't go any further with it. I should just quit and come back and pray later. I, I just, I struggled. I struggled when it came to prayer. So I went to my pastor, and I love my pastor. He is one of my heroes. He's a wonderful man. And I said, hey, pastor, I want to know how to pray better. I know I'm supposed to, but I don't understand if I'm doing it right. Can you help me? And he gave me a bunch of pointers. He, he told me a bunch of tips and tricks and tactics, you know, some prayer hacks. He gave them to me. And one of the prayer hacks he gave me was to listen to other people's prayers 
And if I thought they prayed well, it was effortless and it was natural and there was confidence behind it, that I should try to follow their example, right? And I think that's probably okay advice, but I might have taken it the wrong way because there were some men in our church who would pray. And I always liked hearing them pray because they prayed like with confidence and authority, you know? And so I started copying them. One of the things I noticed that they often did when they were praying was that they would lower their voice a little bit. And then they would say really fancy words like thee and thine and supplication in their prayer. When they said God, it was always like God, you know? And I thought, okay, that's the way you're supposed to pray. I'm supposed to find people that I think pray well and copy them. It's what my pastor told me to do. So I'm going to start copying them. And so that's what I did. My voice hadn't changed yet. And I'm like, God, with authority. (laughs) Next time they asked me to pray in public, I thought, this is my chance. This, I I am going to lay it down. I'm going to take it up another notch. I'm going to do everything those men do. And I'm going to do one thing extra. So here's what I did. I prayed with a deep voice. I used all the fancy words, but I didn't know a lot of fancy words. So I memorized the words to a hymn that we sang. And so I, I, you know, I'm praying in front of the group and I start praying this hymn. And I'm like, here I raise mine Ebenezer God. Hither by thy help I've come. And I hope by thy good pleasure, safely to arrive at home. Now, in that moment, instead of everybody who's listening to me giving me the side eye and saying, what is this kid doing? It was like I had just slayed at a rap battle. Like I dropped the mic. They were like, oh my gosh, this trailer park kid who's only been coming to church for a few months and he's praying hymns already. This is a pro tip. If you're ever asked to pray in front of Christians, memorize the words to hymns and pray them. They'll think you're a prayer Jedi. It's like a mind trick you can play on Christians. It's amazing. That really did happen. But here's the problem. It was fake. It was not authentic. I wasn't sincere. I was doing a performance. I was trying to impress people instead of praying for real, from my heart. And it didn't connect me to God. And so I would have these prayer times, you know, this five-minute walk with God every morning, but I knew that I was faking it. I knew it was not real. And so pretty early on as a believer, I gave up on prayer for a while. I just decided uh, prayer is not for me. There are some Christians that should pray. I'm just not one of those. And so I gave up on it for a while. But luckily, I have since learned that prayer does not have to be as complicated as I made it as a young believer. And I've also discovered that prayer is the most helpful thing I can do for my soul. It is the very best thing to engage in regularly if you want to develop and grow, A, your relationship with God, and B, your spiritual life. So throughout the month of October, we are each Sunday going to be talking about prayer in this series that we have very creatively named Prayer, because that's what we're going to talk about. And here's the deal, especially today, but throughout this message, I kind of want to give you Prayer 101, because for some of you guys, you really don't even know where to start. And for others of you, you've been trying to pray for a while, you've been a Christian for a while, but maybe you've gotten away from some of the most basic things that are necessary in order to have prayers that are answered. So this series is called 
prayer, all right? Um, I, we're going to start this morning with a passage from the book of Philippians. It's chapter number four, verses six and seven. We're gonna read these. I'm just gonna read two verses through, and then we're gonna go back and we're gonna walk line by line through it. And again, this is sort of to help you get started. Where do I even start? What is prayer? Why should I do it? Whether you're a longtime believer or you are just trying to figure this thing out for the very first time, I think these verses will help you. So let's look at them. Philippians chapter number four, verses six and seven. So the scripture says this. Again, I'll read them and then we'll walk through them. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Those two verses tell you everything you need to know about getting started in prayer. So let's walk through them. Let's kind of divide up these words a little bit, make some sense out of them. Paul, the guy who writes this, he was a missionary. He had started a church in the city called Philippi. And so he's writing to Philippians. If he had started a church in Calgary, Calgary, he'd be writing to Calgarians. That's all that word Philippians means, writing to believers in the city of Philippi. And he starts with this sentence, don't worry about anything. Some translations of the Bible say, do not be anxious about anything. Now, I don't have to explain this to you because my friend Joshua two weeks ago explained this particular line beautifully. So if you struggle with anxiety or worry, if you're uncertain how you deal with the the fears that you have in your heart, I want you to go back and listen to the message two weeks ago because he spends about 35 minutes breaking it down and it's a must hear. So do that, okay? So I'm not gonna talk to you anymore about that. Don't worry about anything. Instead, this is where we'll pick up the passage. Pray about everything. Hey, thanks, Paul, for setting the bar of entry really low there. Not like, hey, get up in the morning and pray about one thing that's really on your mind. No, he says, pray about everything. Everything? I'm supposed to pray about everything? That's, that's a lot of praying, man. Have you ever met somebody that really loves prayer? I, I've met a few of those people in my life, and uh, they come walking up to you, and they're like, yeah, I just spent two hours in prayer. And you're like, how? What did you say for all that time? That's, that's a lot of time to fill. Some people, it just comes very naturally. For other people, it's a lot harder. Paul says you should pray about everything. In another passage of the Bible, Paul says it this way. He says, pray without ceasing. So the ideal, according to scripture, is that you and I, would pray about all the things all the time. That's really what God wants for us, what God wants from us. We would pray about everything as often as we possibly can. Pray about everything, all right? What I've found is this, and maybe this will kind of help you frame some things around prayer. What I've found is that for some Christians, prayer is a gift, It's a natural thing. It's easy. It comes to you and you're like, yeah, I don't mind praying at all. It's just so simple. For others, prayer is a discipline. It's not something that comes easily and naturally to you. And so you have to work at it. You make yourself pray more than you feel naturally inclined to pray. For some Christians, prayer is a gift. For some Christians, prayer is a discipline. But I'll tell you, for every single Christian, prayer is a necessity, 
It is something that we should be doing. Pray about everything, Paul says. You cannot pray too much. You can pray too little, but you cannot pray too much. In fact, I'll say this. I think some of you look at this slide and you say, oh, I know where I fall on that. I know which one of those is true of me. Prayer is a discipline. It's something I have to work at. Can I tell you, some of you have a gifting for prayer and you don't even know it yet because you've never tried to pray consistently and regularly. And if you would, you would find out it's not a discipline for you at all. Prayer will become something that you love. You can't wait to pray. It will be one of the highlights of every single day. You think, no way that could be true of me. Yes, you, it actually can be. Some of you have a gifting to pray a lot and to pray passionately and to pray effectively, but you don't know it yet because you've never, ever tried. For some of us, it's a gift. For some, it's a discipline, but for all of us, it is a necessity. Paul says pray about everything. If you ever find yourself asking, like, is this situation too small to pray about? No, pray about it. It's okay because God wants you to pray about everything. Why? Like God cares about everything. Everything I'm concerned about God is concerned with. Well, let me put it to you like this. Prayer is ultimately about deepening your relationship with God. And in a relationship, When something matters to one person, the other person in the relationship tends to care about that thing as well because it's important to that person, right? So um, I rarely ever do this, but I'm going to put my wife as an illustration here in the message. She's being trained as a Zumba instructor. I don't know what Zumba actually is. This is clearly not what they do at Zumba class, but she's being trained as a Zumba instructor. And I'll tell you straight up, I don't care about Zumba. I don't know anything about it. I'm not interested in it. And yet every Wednesday night when she comes back, I'm like, tell me about Zumba. How was the class? What did the people say? What was the instructor like tonight? What sort of routine did you do? And she says a bunch of words I don't understand. But the reason that I ask these questions is because it's important to someone I care about. And so I wanna hear about it. And this is the way I believe it is with God. God wants to hear what's important to you. And over time, you might find out that some of the things you think are really important are not that important. That's another thing that prayer does for us. But I'm telling you, God wants you to pray about everything because God wants a relationship with you. And one of the ways that you can build that relationship is to have heartfelt conversations about the things that you think really matter. Paul says, pray about everything. Then look what he says here, the end of verse number six. He says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. I love how simple Paul makes prayer in this passage. Notice he doesn't say, you need to change your voice when you talk to God. He doesn't say, you need to memorize long, fancy prayers. He doesn't say, now be sure your hands are folded just right when you talk to God. He doesn't say, if you're really serious, you'll get down on your knees because that proves you mean it this time, you know? He doesn't say any of that. Instead, he says, tell God what you need. Be sure to say thank you when he meets your need. That's prayer in a nutshell. Now, of course, there's more to it. This is prayer 101. You could go on to prayer 401. I get it. But this is where it starts. You tell God what you need and you thank him for what he's done. Next week, our entire message is going to be on specifically how to pray. 
Like, how do I do this? It's gonna be extremely practical. And so I, I, I hope you'll be back next week. We're gonna talk, what does a prayer look like? What should it include? What should it not include? We're gonna talk about all of those things. Um, but I, today, I, I want you to recognize that when you look at, at Philippians 4, 6, prayer is ultimately just talking. You can talk, right? You, you know how to talk, don't you? I just saw some husbands, elbows and wives. Oh, she know how to talk. Um, Prayer is just talking to God. That's it. It is as simple as that. We complicate it. We act like it needs to be some sort of special form of communication. But in reality, prayer is as simple as telling God what you have need of today and thanking him for what he gave you yesterday. That's it. It is as simple as that. So when it comes to prayer, I think there are two things. This one verse teaches you all you need to know about getting started in prayer. The two things you need when it comes to prayer is you need to make it real and you need to make it regular. That's it. That's all you need to do. Did you see it in the passage? It needs to be real, and it needs to be regular. When I say make it real, I'm saying all Paul told you to do was tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. That's a real prayer. It's honest. It's sincere. It's short. It ain't trying to impress anybody. It's real, and it should be regular. You should pray about everything. This should be your goal in prayer. And this is a good goal for everyone, whether you've been a Christian for decades or you are just beginning prayer for the first time. This is so important. Why? Because people who are new to prayer struggle with making it regular. They struggle with making it regular. It's like, man, you want me to pray every single day and throughout the day? That's a lot of praying. I'm just not used to that. I'm not in the habit. But they'll keep it real. They'll drop a curse word in their prayer. And they'll tell God, hey, this is what's going on, and I'm not real happy with it. They will keep it real. But believers, particularly those of us that have been Christians for quite a while, we struggle to keep it real. We could do the regular thing. Yep, I'll get up and have my quiet time with Jesus. But it's not real. We fall into dumb platitudes. We say the same words over and over and over again. They don't mean anything. It's just easy to repeat those words again and again and again. It's not real. So this is a good goal, no matter who you are and no matter what stage you're at in your prayer journey, can I make it real and can I make it regular? That's all Philippians 4, 6 wants you to do. And it's freeing if you do that. If you keep it real, you're just having a normal conversation. If you keep it regular, then you're talking to God throughout the day. It's not like you have to be at church or have to set aside this time. It's just something that is a normal part of your everyday routine. You're constantly talking to God as you go throughout your day. Keep it real, keep it regular. Now, verse six tells us how to pray. But in verse seven, Paul is going to tell you why you should pray. And I promise this is where it gets good. This is where these verses just open up. They're amazing, all right? Look at what he says here. He says, uh, don't worry about anything, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace. This is so important because no matter what you ask God for, God always gives you increased peace as a result. Always, without fail, he will give you peace. I used to think when I was a young Christian that sometimes God just didn't answer our prayers, you know, because I would ask him for something and I didn't get it. So I'm like, oh, I guess God chose not to answer that prayer. Did he hear it? I'm not sure. Did I screw it up with my hand? I'm just not sure, but he didn't answer. Then I learned that's not really true. I learned that God always answers your prayer. And I was told sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says later, right? 
Those are the three ways that God can answer your prayer. But can I tell you, that's an incomplete understanding of prayer too when you read Philippians 4.7. Because in Philippians 4.7, the Bible tells us God always answers our prayers with yes in the form of peace. Every time you pray, God gives you a yes. Here's some peace. Yeah, here's some confidence that I am gonna come through for you. Maybe not how you think and maybe not when you think it, but I am gonna come through. Here's some peace. Here's some confidence. Here's some peace. God always answers your prayers with yes. Here's some peace. Now, God might also answer your prayers and give you the other things that you're asking for. He might say, yes, here's some peace, and here's a good night's sleep too, because that's what you prayed for. He might say, yes, here's some peace, and let's get some victory over this sin in your life. He might give you that as well. He might give you wisdom about a choice you need to make, but you can be sure that God will always give you peace when you pray to him. I love what kind of peace Paul says that God gives. You notice the next line? It says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. The Bible tells us God will give us peace that makes no sense, given your circumstances. That it's irrational peace. It's, it's like illogical. You're going through a situation in your life in which any sane person would be freaking out. And you're like, I don't know. I, I can't explain it, but I just think God's got this. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I believe that in some way God is going to show up and when he does, it's going to be for my good and his glory. I can't explain it. I don't have the details, but there is an irrational peace that has overcome my heart in this situation. Your friends look at you and they're going to say, how are you not drinking more? If I was going through what you were going through and you're going to say, I don't know, but I've prayed about it and somehow or another, I've got peace about it. I had this experience this past week. I had eye surgery. Eye surgery is one of the weirdest things to think about, so I'm not going to go into detail because some of you guys have that weird phobia of people touching your eyes, but I went for a regular eye exam uh, a couple of months ago, and in the regular eye exam, the doctor who was filling my contact lens prescription said, hey, do you know that you have a hole in your retina? And I'm like, no, is that a bad thing? And she's like, yeah, you're not supposed to have a, a hole, so I'm gonna send you to another doctor. And so I went to another doctor, and he looked around, and he said, dude, you've got four holes in your retina. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then he said, this is beyond my capability. I need to send you to another specialist. Then that specialist sent me to another specialist. Eventually, I worked my way to who is supposedly the best eye doctor in Calgary. And he's looking in the inside of my eyes, and he says, wow, um, there's only one treatment for somebody that's got your condition. It's basically we need to shoot lasers into your eye and we're gonna spot weld all the areas where your retina has started to detach. And so he said, you need to understand that in order for this to work, that spot welding with the lasers we do means you're going to have blind spots in your vision. From now on, for the rest of your life, you're going to have places where you cannot see anymore. But he said, if you don't do this, there's a real high likelihood that eventually your retina is going to detach and you might go completely blind in that eye. And guess what? You have tears in both eyes, so you need to do both of them. Now, there was a natural part of me that wanted to freak out. I'm like, wait, what? You're going to make me blind so I don't go blind? This makes no sense. <laughs> but you know what I did? I prayed about it. And I'm not saying I'm super spiritual. I'm not, but I didn't have any other, I had no other option. What do I do? I gotta go with what the doctor says, so I'm gonna pray. And I enlisted my friends to start praying for me. 
And everybody kept asking me, are you nervous about the fact that the doctor's gonna shoot lasers in your eye and make you blind? Which, by the way, he did. I actually have a blind spot right down here. I can't see my finger anymore. I can on this side, but not on this side. Um, are you nervous about that? And I said, no, I, I just, I believe I'm gonna be okay. God's gonna take care of me. There is an irrational peace that will come over you. A peace that passes all understanding, a peace that makes no sense based on your circumstances. But if you will make prayer real and regular, that's the promise that God gives you. Listen, the blessing of prayer is not that I get my way, but that I get God's peace. That's a mic drop moment. That's when I slayed in the rap battle right there. The blessing of prayer is not that I get my way. You might, God might grant your prayer. He might not. He is always gonna give you peace. That's why you should pray, not to get God to do what you want. He's not a cosmic vending machine where you push the right buttons and he rewards you. No, every time he'll give you peace. Then Paul makes this staggering claim about why we should pray about everything. He says, you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. And then he says this, the peace, this peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I've read this verse a hundred times and the word guard has never struck me the way it did as I was preparing for this message. It says prayer is a guard on your heart and your mind. Let's think about what a guard is for just a second. A guard keeps out intruders who do not belong. A guard stands watch and springs into action whenever needed. If an enemy shows up, the guard runs him off before he can infiltrate the house. And Paul says prayer is a guard on your heart and on your mind. If you really start to let that roll around in your mind, man, does it make prayer an important thing. It means that the value and the effect of prayer go on long after you say amen and go about your day. And that prayer pays off in your life in ways that you probably cannot understand. There's a theologian that I like who said, prayers never die. There is no expiration date on your prayers. And so, if prayer is a guard and prayers never die, it's not like, you know, you pray and you ask God to protect you to set a guard on your life and it's like a potion that you dropped on your avatar and eventually it runs down. No video game nerds? Okay, just me. Um, you know, pretty soon the effect wears off on your character. No, prayer is a guard and there is no expiration date on it. So I want you to imagine this. Six years ago, let's say, I don't know if I actually prayed this, but let's pretend I did. Six years ago, I prayed and I said, God, help me to overcome temptation. And then I went about my way. If prayer is active, if it is a guard that never sleeps or slumbers, if it never expires, if it stays with you, then that means that prayer that I prayed 2,000 days ago and 2,000 miles away from where I stand today is still going. It's active. It's paying off in my life. And so when you pray, you might not see the results immediately, but I can guarantee you they continue on long after you're done. Prayer is a guard in your life. Who doesn't want a guard? I don't know if it's like an angel protects you or the Holy Spirit or if it's just mindfulness, you know, you're training your brain. I don't know, and I don't care. If there is a guard that is available, I want that guard. Now stay with me. Because Paul makes this argument here that prayer is a guard on your heart and your mind. 
The flip side of that, the insinuation is, if you're not praying, you're not guarded. If you're not praying, your heart and your mind are unguarded. The house, so to speak, is wide open. Windows are up, deadbolts are turned, front door is ajar, nobody's standing watch. So, when dangerous, false voices come into your life, guess what? There's nobody around to run them off. Maybe, maybe part of the reason you've struggled so much is because your life is completely unguarded. You haven't prayed. You haven't set a guard in prayer over your heart and over your mind. If you want your marriage to be guarded, this verse tells you what you need to do. Pray for it. If you want your kids to be guarded, what do you need to do? Helicopter parent them? No, pray for them. You want your future to be guarded? Pray for it. Because when you pray, the Bible says it serves as a guard on your heart and on your mind. And that guard is active and it is looking out for you every single day. We could summarize the whole message by this. Real and regular prayer offers peace and protection for your life. That's it. Real and regular prayer offers peace and protection. That's it. Wait, I thought I prayed to get, you know, what I wanted from God. No, you pray because it offers peace and it offers protection. So simple, so powerful. If you just do that, I promise you, prayer will become a gift. It'll be something you love. All right, I've preached too long this morning. So I'm gonna run through these last slides very, very fast. Um, how can you make your prayers more real if you struggle with this? First of all, talk normal. You don't need to fake your voice. You don't need to memorize flowery words. It's okay. Just talk to him the way that you would talk to anybody who's sitting in a room with you um, because that's what God wants to hear. You need to talk normally. Secondly, you need to ignore your self-consciousness. Whatever makes you feel awkward about praying, ignore it. Shut up, voice. I'm not listening to you right now. I'm praying and this is important and it matters. And yes, I'm probably doing it wrong, but that's okay. So pray and ignore the parts that make you feel self-conscious. And I'll just challenge you. The best way to get over that is to force yourself to pray in front of other people. If you pray in front of other people, you will easily and quickly overcome that self-consciousness. Not only that, if you wanna make your prayers more real, you should get rid of artificial timeframes. So like, yeah, it can be helpful to say, okay, today I'm gonna set a clock and I'm gonna try to pray for five whole minutes. Five minutes, oh my gosh, that's like three times as long as I've ever prayed. I'm gonna try to go the whole five minutes. Here's the problem. When you do that, what are you concerned with? The clock, has it been five minutes yet? Why hasn't the alarm gone off? And you look at your phone and you're like, 60 seconds? Oh my gosh. So forget that. Instead, just have a regular conversation with God throughout your day, whatever you're doing, okay? You're not scheduling a conference call with the Trinity. You could talk to God at any point, whatever it is that you're doing. All right, how can you make your prayers more regular? First off, pray formally and informally. I already said that. I don't know why I made a second slide about it. The other thing you should do is you should get involved in 21 days of prayer. We're doing it right now as a church. We are one week in and that's okay. You can get involved in 14 days of prayer with the church, okay? Here's here's what's happening. We wanna help you begin a prayer habit. It's very simple. 
Every morning at 7.15 on our church Facebook page, one of our staff or team leads jumps on there and does a five to 10 minute video where we read a verse, we talk about what it means, and then we pray. That's it. So at 7.15, you can sit in front of your phone, in your underwear, and you can have prayer time with people in the church and nobody's gonna know, okay? It's so easy. We will guide you through it. There is no reason that you shouldn't tune in tomorrow at 7.15. Or if you're driving and you can't watch at 7.15, then fine, watch the video later. It's on our church Facebook page. And then there's one more thing that you can do. On Wednesdays at 6.30 a.m., we are meeting at JP's Bistro in Evanston. And we're gathering there for about 45 minutes of prayer. And so you can show up and you can sit down and I'll give you coffee and pastries. And if you want to pray, you can out loud in front of other people, or you can just choose to be around prayer. You can pray along with those of us that are there. But if you wanna make prayer a regular thing in your life, you're gonna have to start somewhere. And we've got all these ways for you to start easily and simply. So I'm gonna see you all tomorrow. You know that when we go Facebook Live, I can click on the little eyeball icon and see everybody who's watching. So I'm gonna look, I'm gonna see if you guys are there because I think this is such an easy way for you to get plugged into prayer. Let me pray for you and we're done, okay? Jesus, uh, God, I just pray that today there would be this passion for prayer, that God, it would start to stir up from within each of us, no matter where we're at in our relationship with you, that we would wanna talk to you, we would wanna listen as you speak to us, and that God, it wouldn't be about performance, it wouldn't be about saying the right things, but it would be about an honest conversation with our heavenly Father who loves us so very much. So I pray that your spirit would give us the, the desire and empower us to pray in a real way and in a regular way, and we will glorify you in our prayer time. God, we ask this in your name. Amen.